is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the August 6th edition of America's Voice for Energy. Wow, this is a big week for news. When I wrote my column this week on Hillary Clinton's energy plan, which was announced now a week and a half ago, I had one title for it. And my title that I was going to use for it talked about Hillary's energy plan is all about money, out of your pocket and into hers. But before it was published on Monday morning, I woke up and saw that this week President Obama was planning to introduce his final rule for what's called the Clean Power Plan. Now, if you're a regular listener of America's Voice for Energy, you know that I have addressed this plan uh, many, many times, uh, most recently with the Supreme Court ruling that came out in July. But the final version of Obama's plan came out on Monday. But as so because of that, I changed the title of my column. And depending on where someone might read it, you'll see different titles. On oil uh, websites, I've given it one title that Hillary's energy plan is the newest front on the war on fossil fuels. On other websites, they've used different names. Uh, but I called it Hillary's, Hillary's energy plan is like Obama's on steroids. And so our first segment today to introduce us to Hillary's plan, although, again, you can keep in mind that it's like Obama's butt on steroids, I'm excited to have with us for the first time on America's Voice for Energy and hopefully not because he and I frequently write on uh, parallel topics, Mike Bastash, who is a contributor for the Daily Caller. So, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Marita. Now, you've written a lot on Hillary's uh, green energy or Hillary's energy plans, and uh, I've I've been following what you've written, and I've I linked to some of your work, but you you took some different directions, which I like to do because I feel like you know if someone else has already written exactly what I'm going to say, I don't need to say it. So you and I have gone a couple different directions, but we're kind of we both have addressed her energy uh, plan. What, what do you see as the, the things that are most important for people to realize? Um, well, I think it's like you said earlier, uh, Hillary's plan is Obama's plan, but on steroids. And the reason because of that is she relies on Obama's plan to then boost her plan. She's going to build on top of it, and she's already promised to defend these new EPA rules that have come out. But aside from that, Hillary's plan is definitely, uh, it's not, it, it goes beyond what Obama wants, but it's still not even the most ambitious or, you know, I guess regressive would be a better word, plans among Democratic candidates. You know, Martin O'Malley has said we're going to go fossil fuel free by 2050. Hillary doesn't make any sort of uh, promise like that. But essentially what hers is going to do is, and what I've outlined in my article, which you can read on dailycaller.com, is that it's just going to send a lot of – well, it will probably have some domestic benefits for solar manufacturers here who largely support Hillary Clinton and other Democratic uh, candidates and lawmakers. Um, a lot of this money will just end up going to China because they are the world's largest producer of solar panels. 
And even though there are tariffs now on Chinese uh, um, solar panels and the parts that go into solar panels, their production, they still produce 70% of the world's solar panels between them and Taiwan. And pretty much all of it is led by China. They're, what they're doing now is they're even getting around the tariffs that we've put in by starting companies in Malaysia or Vietnam or, uh, or Taiwan to get around uh, these subsidies. So really what we're going to do is we're going to see a lot of Chinese solar panels once again flood into the U.S., yeah, I mentioned that in my column. I was able to just put in one little line, but I put a link to your piece on that. And when I read yours, I was I was fascinated to see the uh, that what you had in there about that these Chinese companies, because of the tariffs, have started opening up factories in neighboring countries that allows them to get around those tariffs. But so. Uh, help me understand is the number that I used is seven in ten solar panels are made in China. Are they made in China or are they made by Chinese owned companies? Uh, they're made in China or Taiwan. And okay. that that could shift over the coming years. And you know, the US the amount of panels we produce in the US is minuscule. It's I it's a blip on the radar in terms of global production. And it uh and what essentially this plan is, is it's just, it's kind of just transferring a bunch of money from the U.S. to China. And, you know, really the only reason the Chinese build these panels or started to build them is to satisfy, you know, the demand driven by government subsidies and mandates in the U.S. and the EU. Well, heck, and, yeah, they're like, they're like good business people. They see uh, these uh, Western governments mandating a certain amount of, of renewable energy and even specifically solar. I mean, Hillary's plan calls, she promises half a million solar panels by, what is it, the end of her first term? Yes. And half so a, China, half, the half Chinese manufacturers see a great opportunity there. Well, heck, if they're going to do this, we, we, we've got some business there. Yeah, and, you know, I... The people are saying, well, no, it's because China also wants to reduce coal use and build up their solar capacity. Yeah, but coincidentally, that government policy started to be pushed after there was a huge overcapacity in solar panels that drove the price way down and put a bunch of Chinese companies out of business. So they're trying to find ways to artificially inflate demand again to get prices back up to help their industry. But really, you know, and besides, you know, I, I'm, you know, you know, we're, we should, you know, free trade is a good thing, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, like, buy panels from China if it's the cheapest way to do what Hillary wants to do, but it's it's just showing that, you know, we're helping, we're helping to fund China's development by us buying more expensive energy when we have cheaper energy here, and that's the only reason we're buying it. Yeah, and her plan calls specifically for solar, which I found interesting. It doesn't really seem to call for much wind. Yeah, and I I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, some of her political affiliates like John Podesta, he has a lot of clients that could benefit from uh, solar, these increased, uh, increased in, you know, government spending on solar and incentives for renewable energy. But, you know, you look at other major Democratic donors, too, like uh, Elon Musk, who could also benefit greatly from this because he has a whole company that leases solar panels, and he gets currently, like, $5 billion in subsidies a year. 
and that could increase for him. Yeah, there's an article uh, recently in the Wall Street Journal that's titled, uh, hang on, I just lost it here. It's titled something like, Solar Power Fight Hits Home in Arizona. There we are. And it's specifically targeting solar leasing because, according to this article, uh, the, a lot of people are being attracted to leasing. I just kind of throw that in because I saw that this morning, and you mentioned uh, Elon Musk and, and his company, Solar City. Yeah, um, the big battle out in Arizona is over salt people putting, you know, it's a sunny place. Lots of people want to put, they can get, want to put solar panels on the roof because they can get money from the utilities at the same rate, at the price that utilities sell electricity. So it's a good deal for them, kind of a bad deal for everyone else who has to pay, to, who doesn't have solar panels, who then can see their energy bills go up. But, um, but yeah, going back to, to Hillary's plan, it is interesting that she does focus a lot on solar panels, but she also she also wants, you know, um, to revive a bunch of other green energy tax credits. I mean, she it's not it's not just solar panels. She also um, she specifically mentions them, but if she wants to get the U.S. thirty three percent to get thirty three percent of its energy from green sources, she has to use things like wind as well. And that's why, you know, one of her planks is to get uh, the wind tax credit, wind production tax credit, um, revived again. Yeah, I, I like to call know, it the zombie tax credit because it keeps dying yeah. and then it keeps getting reinstated. And uh, yeah. the crazy Senate is, has just passed, a, uh, I don't know, what is it, an appropriations bill or whatever, that, that uh, a tax extender package, we'll call it, that revives that dead for a year and a half wind energy credit, but but Hillary will, will have to revive a lot of those tax credits. Yeah. So what else do you see in Hillary's plan that, uh, you know, in our remaining time here is worthy of note? Uh, I think, you know, one of the main things in that is being noted about Obama's plan is that the whole point of this is to fight global warming, and which is the... Uh, rise, the continued rise in average global temperature, and her plan, just like Obama's, will do virtually nothing to avert any warming, assuming the models are correct and all Right, that. I was just going to say, all that's based on a lot of assumptions. Yeah, but under even under their own assumptions, it will do nothing to really stop any sort of catastrophic warming, as they like to call it. And I think that should be stressed. You know, it's funny, like, last year uh, EPA uh, Administrator Gina McCarthy was brought before, uh, or she said that, you know, the clean power plan is not uh, a pollution, is not, for, is not designed to stop pollution, it's an investment opportunity. And I think that's how Hillary's selling this, and... It's not about pollution. It's not about climate change or global warming or whatever you want to call it. It's about investment, and I think it's about benefiting their political supporters and their political allies at the expense of others. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that's the angle I took with it with my title. That's about, it's really about money. 
It's about money going from our pocket. Well, not necessarily from our pockets to hers, because what's going into her pockets is the money from wealthy donors like Tom Steyer. But what's going out of our pockets is in the form of higher taxes and higher utility costs. Yeah, and it's, you know, you mentioned Tom Steyer. He's one of the people who's pushing candidates to make these big green energy pledges. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to find out if there were some ulterior motives behind it. Yeah, do you think? I mean, that, that's, <laughs> what we, that's what we see over and over again. We're about out of time, Mike. Tell people where they can read, because you've written what I found, I think, was three different columns on Hillary's energy plan. Yeah, you can find all my articles uh, at dailycaller.com. If you go to dailycaller.com slash Michael Bastash, that should be my archive. Okay, and tell us how to spell your last name so people get it correctly. Oh, yes. Uh, B-A-S-T-A-S-C-H. Great. Well, Michael, I appreciate you joining us today on America's Voice for Energy. I hope this is the first of many, and uh, thanks for the good work that you do. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Great. We'll be back in just a moment on America's Web Radio. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. Last week, I had Dan Tish with us, and he is the Senior VP of Policy for the Institute for Energy Research. And I said to him, we should just make you a regular. Well, guess what? It appears that we've done that because Dan is back with us. And I'm excited to have him with us here in the second segment of our show because a lot of what I wrote this week was really inspired by an off-the-air conversation Dan and I had. And while my column kind of went a little different direction, I was able to kind of just get in a little reference to what we're going to talk about in this segment. And that is a new report put out by the Institute for Energy Research titled Hillary's Solar PV Plan Aids Chinese manufacturing. So, Dan, I'm delighted to have you back with us to talk about this this week. Well, thanks, Marita. Thanks for, thanks for having me. 
Well, it's always a treat to talk with you, and you and I had this conversation before before we started uh, the show, and you brought up this whole Chinese manufacturing angle. And at the time, Hillary had just announced kind of her climate plan, and I said to you, gosh, I guess that's probably what I should write on this week. And, you know, lo and behold, that's, that's what I wrote on. And as I said, my column kind of went a different direction, and that's why I really appreciate uh, the opportunities there that I have with America's Voice for Energy because, you know, that darn limited word count, it only lets you say so much. I mean, even though when you write for the Internet like I do, you can kind of write unlimited, but people's attention spans are only so much. So I I appreciate the opportunity to kind of develop uh, the topic a little deeper and more richly than I have on this show. So, So tell us, you know, we just had the President's Plan, Clean Power Plan, introduced this week, uh, and Hillary's wanting more solar panels. What's that going to do for um, Chinese manufacturing? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of interesting, Marita. And it, um, when, when, um, uh, when Mrs. Clinton came out with her plan, I was pondering, gee, I wonder where we are in terms of manufacturing these things. And I hadn't looked at the numbers recently, and actually the Energy Information Administration only follows this sporadically. And therefore, I was very surprised to learn um, via the European Union, uh, which does follow these things, that um, the number one manufacturer in the world is China. It's over 50%, uh, followed by Taiwan, Malaysia, and Japan, and between them, uh, they're pushing about 90% of the manufacture of uh, solar PV cells around the world, and it just was fairly stunning to me because uh, what the president's plan and what uh, Hillary Clinton's plan are calling for is much, much more solar energy being deployed, and uh, uh, the other thing that sort of uh, at least got my attention was does it make sense to be putting... We've got sources of energy here at home that they're saying we can't use, coal among them, but uh, they're pushing for other things as well, any natural gas. They don't like that. That's got carbon dioxide as well. Meanwhile, they're pushing us into the arms of manufacturers in the rest of the world to control this market. Uh, and and uh, silly old me, I thought that part of our policy was to get us off of foreign supplies of energy. We've heard that for decades now. Sure, yet, sure. We want to be energy independent. Absolutely, but what we're but what we're doing is everything to hurt our own sources of independence here at home, and in turn, uh, turning our roofs and uh, you know our public lands and the rest over to uh, uh, the Chinese and others. And uh, free trade's fine, but obviously these things uh, are much more uh, inexpensively made in these other places around the world. And that's who's got the market. And that's that. That's the moral of the story behind this one, we're basically taking uh, American sources of energy, saying no thanks to the miners and the coal mines and the uh, coal plants across the country, and we're saying we'll use intermittent um, energy, that is, that kind of energy that shows up when it feels like it, uh, to run our country in the future between wind and solar, and in terms of the solar, uh, the vast majority of it is made in uh, foreign countries, so we'll be importing our our uh, sources of energy, and just, and just to put it in perspective, one of the things uh, in our report is the mention that, that just to meet her 
uh, the delta in her goal, an extra 120 gigawatts of uh, electricity from from solar power capacity, uh, the overnight cost of that, that is if you don't have to finance it, and of course you would, is is $428 billion. That's the cost of what it would take to put this up. She wants that put up by 2020. So when you start throwing those kind of numbers around, um, we're talking about enormous uh, bills that will be have to be paid by someone in order to pay for all this. Yeah, and just who might that someone be? Well, a third of it, actually, when it comes to solar, uh, currently... The government pays 30% of the cost of installation of everything. So think about that one, by the way. Um, since the Chinese are making the majority of our solar panels uh, that we're deploying in the United States, the, it is official government policy to pay for the cost of 30% of that. Uh, imagine, if, <laughs> imagine if the government announced that they were going to pay 30% of the cost of foreign cars in the United States. I think a lot of people would find some problem with that. But... Uh, uh, that's part of it, and, that, yeah. uh, and it also, you know, then there are the uh, then there are the the down the road consequences of uh, who ultimately pays because one of the problems with both the intermittency of wind as well as solar is that not only do you pay for the source uh, that they want to have that you want to have, but it only produces electricity for part of the day, which means. You now have to have a backup system, and somebody has to pay for that, and you know who pays for that as well. We do. Instead of buying right. one car, uh, you know, instead of having one car that meets your family's needs and takes care of all your needs, you've got a car that runs 30% of the time, and you're forced to buy another uh, car that can operate the additional 70% of the time you need it. Yeah, and, and, and operate inefficiently at that, as we both understand. Correct. And by the way, when the government assesses the relative costs of these things in their studies they do not include any assessment of the cost of uh, backup power uh, sources or anything like that so any they're already artificially low by virtue of that because uh, I, I don't know about you but I use my power when I need it and that is pretty much 24 hours a day yeah yeah I get pretty get pretty irritated when I don't have my computer or my television or in my case my curling iron <laughs> All those I know that's not irrelevant. Yeah, they, they are they are definitely essential. Now, you brought up something a little bit ago. You talked about, uh, the, you know, we're all for the free market or free trade, I guess you said, about solar panels. Like, yeah, if, if China's making cheaper solar panels, we should be able to import them from China. But uh, don't we have a tariff against that? Uh, I don't exactly know what the tariff situation is with the Chinese, but despite that fact, they're still supplying uh you know, an enormous quantity of our solar panels, and and uh, Asia's Asia uh, provided eighty one percent of our uh, supply in two thousand twelve. Yeah, it's it's amazing uh, that that there's not more more pushback on this. And, and President Obama earlier this week is out with his clean power plan, and he's all smiles and talking about how this is going going to save. The world, and one of the things I found interesting when in my research was that even James Hansen, leading climate alarmist uh, James Hansen, uh, said that Hillary's uh, plan is going to increase uh, utility bills. And I was like, "Wow!" He just, I couldn't. I was shocked 
that he was admitting that. Uh, yeah, James Hansen, uh, uh, you find a lot of fault with him, but actually he's drilled down on some of the electrical uh, uh, issues in general. I mean, he he has suggested that the whole renewable energy situation, uh, he was he was very surprised when he was meeting with some environmental people and they said actually this is a backdoor way to kill uh, uh, on-demand you know dispatchable electricity and uh, wrote about that about a year ago and said that he was very surprised he thought because he was arguing for more nuclear power he said if the issue is carbon dioxide we ought to cut it they said no 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 that isn't the issue the issue is is constant uh, on-demand sources uh, that run 24 hours a day. That's why we want the intermittency in the system, to get us away from a centralized system. Uh, you know, I missed that one. So what, what do they think is, uh, how are we going to power America? Well, the president and, and apparently Mrs. Clinton as well feel the, the way forward are these sources. But I, I cannot overstate the importance of people understanding that you cannot run a modern uh, system that is both reliable as well as offering all the benefits and, and provide for any sort of a future in an environment where your system is constantly whipsawed uh, by sources that come up, just like if you had a business and your employees decided to show up when they felt like it. Um, and you just, uh, you know, everybody has a job, but they just show up when they want to. That, that wouldn't work in any business environment. It certainly doesn't work in any business environment that's so vital to our to our uh, quality of life and, and our existence, for that matter, right. uh, as electricity. It has to be on there when you need it, not when it feels like showing up, and that's what wind and solar typically do. Yeah. We've only got a couple minutes left. I want to just kind of go back for a moment to the whole China story. And uh, in the report, which let me mention the title of that again so our listeners can do a search on that and find it, is Hillary's Solar PV Plan Aids Chinese Manufacturing. And the conclusion of it is, it says, President Obama's war on coal has made it harder for the United States to use our coal resources, which you brought up, which are by far the largest in the world. Instead of, our using, instead of using our own coal, Mrs. Clinton now proposes to outsource our energy future to Asian and particularly Chinese manufacturers. And this report has a, a great chart to help us see where uh, the majority of the solar panels are coming from, and, and by this it shows that the, the least amount um, is from the United States. Well, yes, I mean, I think we're all familiar with environmental standards for that guide U.S. policy when it comes to mining and things like that. Um, most of these require strategic and critical minerals, which are not... Uh, the government uh, has turned down permits for mining and the like to uh, produce those here at home. So it's natural that they'll be placed uh, or produced in areas of the world, and and the Chinese have invested heavily, largely to supply the Western countries' demand for these things. And uh, it's pretty clear that our folks are not able to compete. So what that means is, yeah, what that means is that in a in a situation where uh, politicians have typically railed against foreign sources of energy, uh, and if 
we consider photovoltaic cells uh, to, in essence, be at least the delivery systems, uh, foreign delivery systems for our energy, we are basically turning our back on any kind of desire to move forward with more homegrown uh, American independence energy and simply outsourcing it to the Chinese. And I think most people would find that uh, very surprising, and uh, it's. Uh, I guess. I guess I'd say I'm not necessarily surprised that the mainstream media has not focused on this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you drawing our attention to it. We're out of time. We've been talking with Dan Kish, Senior Vice President of Policy for the Institute for Energy Research. We'll be back in just a moment. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week I'm delighted to welcome back Sterling Barnett, who is the, a research fellow in energy and environment with the Heartland Institute. And Sterling has been with us before on America's Voice for Energy, but I asked him back this week specifically because he wrote a piece that I linked to in my column. You know, earlier this week, President Obama introduced his clean power plan. And this plan, as I addressed in my column, has uh, been been widely attacked uh, by a variety of sides. But one of them is that the states, many governors in many of the states are saying, you know what, we're not going to participate. Uh, Senator Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell earlier this year encouraged uh, governors to do that, to not participate in this plan. And Sterling Burnett, who's going to join us here in a moment, has written a piece addressing that. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this section. So, Sterling, welcome back. Good to have you with us again. Thanks for having me on again. So tell us where we stand today. I know the piece that I cited in my column was, was a, a little bit ago, and we've now got this rule out. And what are you seeing happening? Well, you know, 
it's it's sort of odd after all the hoopla about the previous rule and how bad it was the president sort of doubled down he um he actually made the restrictions deeper the cuts that are required deeper you already had governors and uh, attorneys general suing the epa over the clean power plant before it was even law when it was just proposal and rather than that giving the president and the epa pause and making them reconsider their actions they've now uh moved forward with a stricter plan uh and you know you had governors under the old plan governor mary fallon of oklahoma she directed uh her state agencies to not forward any uh state implementation plan to comply with the clean power plan pennsylvania west virginia have passed laws saying their state environmental agency can't write a plan to uh implement the president's clean power plan unless the legislature itself votes to approve it governor mike pence has said he won't comply with the clean power plan governor scott walker who is also a presidential candidate has said it's a stupid plan and his state won't comply with it will do nothing to comply with it basically the federal government is going to have to force this down states throats if it's going to happen you're going to see a lot of lawsuits both from industry and sue under the stricter plan and it'll be kind of in court let me jump in here for a second, if I may, just on the Sioux issue. You know, when when the Supreme Court decision came out in June against the Matt's uh, rule, uh, some of the folks I talked to, and I, that of course that's what I talked about that week, but some of the folks that I talked to said, no, we don't want this Supreme Court decision to delay. Because many people said there's no way they can come out with this clean power pit plan rule now in August because based on what the Supreme Court said, they're going to have to go back now and apply uh, an economic metrics or whatever the right verbiage is there to this rule. And so people then were saying, or many people then were saying, there's no way they can have this out in August. But uh, other people that I talked to that I had on had on America's Voice for Energy at the time were like, no, 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 we want it to come out the sooner the better because then we can get the lawsuits filed. We can't get the lawsuits filed until the law actually comes out because, as you indicated there, they already tried uh, to, to kind of have a lawsuit before, and the federal judges said, no, no, you can't have a lawsuit against something that isn't final yet. And so uh, they're, they've been anxious to get this rule actually out there. And one other thing you brought up that, I, that I'd like you to clarify, um, in, in my column this week I say, that Obama's policies push a goal of producing 20% of the nation's electricity from renewables by 2030, and hers, meaning Hillary Clinton's, is 33% by 2027. And uh, But yet when I was watching what's happening news-wise today, you mentioned Obama's, instead of dialing back like many thought he would, they've actually kind of come back, in my opinion, kind of sticking their thumb on their nose and waggling their fingers going, nah, 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 because he, his figure is not what my column says 20% because that's what was expected, but he's up that. Is that correct? Can you address both of those issues? Well, it was, initially it was 30%. It wasn't 20%. It was 30% below 2005 levels. Now it's 32% below 2005 levels. Sounds like a small increase, but every percent increase of cut is more and more costly. We've already got what's called the low-hanging fruit. We've already done what's necessary 
to reduce our pollutants, uh, the cheap the cheap stuff to do. Now we're getting into the more expensive stuff, and we're and we're regulating something for the first time that's never been considered a pollutant: carbon dioxide, what we breathe out, what plants find necessary to live. Uh, the mm-hmm. whole earth wouldn't exist but for carbon dioxide. We're going to regulate a non-pollutant for the first time ever, and we're going, you know, it, we're doing it in a very ham-fisted fashion. If there were a good fashion, uh, I still would be against it, but this isn't a good fashion. So you're going to see these lawsuits, and I suspect the lawsuits will be even more. But I should say, just last week, less than a week before, uh, the rule was finalized. The states went back to the appellate court and said, we want a full hearing by the full court, not just the panel, on our prospective lawsuit. And the reason is this. As you know, as you mentioned, the Supreme Court struck down a rule that passed more than three years ago. Here's the problem. All the states, all the industries, they'd already started making complying with that rule. The states want to stop this rule in its track. They don't want companies to start planning and cutting, uh, closing power plants and building new expensive power plants and hoping to, and, and, and having a utility uh, boards, public utility commissions, force ratepayers to pay for it before the rule has had its final hearing in court. So they're pushing now to say, look, we need to stop this before it becomes law. We want to issue an injunction before it becomes implemented and hold off any actions until after final court action. That's what Mitch McConnell suggested. I heard, I haven't seen it, uh, but C-SPAN, it it surprised me when I heard this, C-SPAN said Harry Reid supported that as well. He he said states don't do it. Now, I don't know if that's true. That's what it was on I can't imagine that that would be true, but, you know, strange things happen in Washington. Yeah, I I haven't found it yet, but it would be interesting if he did. But, you know, some Democrats, I know Democrats in West Virginia are up in arms over this. Uh, the Democrats in Virginia and Kentucky, uh, they're all dwindling in number because of Obama. But the ones that still are there, they're, they're up in arms over this. You're talking about shutting down a large percentage of America's electric power supply. And that means, and I'm not saying this, by the way, it's, this isn't me. This is what the administration's own people, the National Electric Reliability Corporation, that is in charge of ensuring our electric power grid is reliable, runs functions properly. They say this plan threatens the reliability of our electric power supply system, that we will see rolling brownouts and blackouts. That's not me saying that. That's the Obama administration's nerve saying that. Yeah, and the the grid reliability issue and and the need for base load power uh, is huge. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And so what you're going to see is a lot of new power plants, very expensive power plants, come online. You're going to see a lot of more money wasted on uh, renewable power, which can't provide base load. It provides supplementary supplementary power. So you're going to have a lot of new get natural gas plants. And I got nothing against natural gas plants if they come on due to market demand. That's understandable. This isn't market demand. This is not market demand. This is government forcing the cheapest power plants in existence offline and replacing them with more expensive power. And my understanding is that what what was released in this final rule uh, uses less natural gas than what the original um, draft covered. Well, I I I I can't answer that, Marita. I haven't I haven't seen that portion of it. 
It's hard to know exactly what will happen. Leaving aside the lawsuits, it's each state, and this is where it's likely to fall, just based on legal grounds. This doesn't regulate power plants themselves. It regulates the states. It tells states, you must reduce emissions by a certain amount from your power plants. Right. But you've got to figure out how to do it. You might, in some states, that'll mean more natural gas. Other states, that'll mean new efficiency programs. Other states, that'll mean just doing with less. But the point is, the state's got to figure it out. And the problem is, the Clean Air Act doesn't give the federal government the power to tell the states how to run their electric power supply system. So that's what the challenge is going to be based on. One of them, it's not going to be based on the cost. It's probably not going to be based on reliability. It's going to be based, or at least in part, it's going to be based on the simple fact that the EPA doesn't have the authority to tell the states what their electric system looks like. Yeah, now in your uh, article, and tell me the title of your article and give our listeners where they can get a hold of that. Well, the one I believe you're referring to is States, Congress, Defy President's Clean Power Plan. I've yeah, I believe so. On there, but this was from July 2nd, and it is, uh, it's uh, from the Heart, Heartlander on our Heartland website, news.heartland.org, okay. newspaper. Uh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> well, I have the title. Yeah. yeah. While you talk, we've got another couple minutes, so while you talk a little more, I'll go find it for you. But you, let, let's talk a little bit in the last minute or so we have left about what Congress is doing. Well, Congress is doing a lot of things. They have, uh, both the House and the Senate, have passed portions of different appropriations bills that would uh, allow states to opt out of the King Power Plan if they find that it costs them more, their, it increases their electricity prices, would uh, decrease the reliability of their grid, uh, if it would cause job losses or hurt them economically. You know, the, the Senate and the House plans are slightly different. The Senate's more expansive. It gives the governors more out. But it says they don't have to write a clean power plan. They don't have to comply. They would also stop funding for the EPA's enforcement of this power plan. But it's all until the final, basically until these are uh, finally disposed of by the courts. It's basically a delaying action, it says. Until all final court decisions are made, which means probably going through the Supreme Court, uh, then the clean power plant is on hold. The problem is, as you're well aware, we don't have a president who would sign a bill like that. Yeah, exactly. We have so we'd have to have a veto-proof majority. Yeah. And we don't have a veto-proof majority. So even if Congress passes these bills, unless it is in – they are in appropriations bills. But my suspicion is he would veto any appropriations bill – in fact, he said he would – that contains these provisions, considers them poison pills. And so the question is, if we get no appropriations bills, just like we haven't since – basically since Obama has been president, first president who never had a, a, a individual bills, budget bills for different agencies, and you've had to do everything through omnibus and chromnibus. Right. At the end of the year, you're going to have a big budget bill. And it's going to have a lot of bad stuff in it, and it's going to have a lot, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, some good stuff in it, too. Yeah, i got Last about 15 year, seconds left, Sterling. Well, one can hope that this is attached, that you end the funding for the EPA. The question is, what does the president do then? I suspect he'll veto it and they'll have to come back and start over. Yeah. Well, interesting discussion. Your column is titled States, 
Congress Defy President's Clean Power Plan. And for our listeners, you can find that simply by Googling Sterling Burnett's name and State's Congress Defy President's Clean Power Plan. Plus, of course, I have a link to it within my column, which you can find all over the Internet. Thanks for joining us again, Sterling, and we'll be right back with America's Voice for Energy. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our final segment of America's Voice for Energy. We've been talking specifically about Hillary's climate plan that she announced last week. However, the title I gave my column this week was that Hillary's plan was like Obama's on steroids. As I said earlier, that was not my original title, but on Monday when it was announced that President Obama was going to to release the final regulations for his clean climate, I mean his clean, yeah, clean climate plan, um, that he was going to release that on Monday, I changed my title to tie in with that. And we've been talking in the previous segments about Hillary's plan, and now I'm delighted to have with me Joe Bastardi, who's been with us before, but he's the chief forecaster for Weather Bell Analytics, and he and I have been chatting off the air, and it's really kind of a shame, Joe, that we didn't record everything that we said because it was such fun conversation. But I'm delighted to have you back with us today to talk specifically about uh, Obama's clean climate plan. So welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. Well, thank you for having me back. You have such good insights, and you've got a a column that was released uh, or a posting uh, that was released earlier this week, and many people sent it to me. I got it from a variety of different sources, and so I thought to reach out. He'll address this this portion of the subject. Uh, were you surprised at all with what President Obama uh, brought out on Monday? No, I'm not surprised. I, you know, it's an interesting thing about the president in that sometimes when I hear him talk and watch him, I say, you know what, I can sit down with that guy and talk with him and say, hey, have you taken a look at this or taking a look at that? And uh, basically, and, you know, I wrote something two years ago. Uh, uh, about the EPA directly, evidence that demands a verdict, that shows that there are three lines of evidence, the trapping hotspots, the catastrophic rise in global temperature, and the reliance on the computer models, which to a functioning meteorologist, when we watch these models every day bust the way they do, was just laughable. But these were the three lines of evidence. I wrote that all of these are provably false. What are we even doing this for? Right? You know, it is interesting, Marita, in that a lot of the right-wing conservatives were very, very happy about the the court ruling in favor of, you know, limiting the EPA or whatever. Yeah, myself included. I was, I I mentioned, yeah. 
But they're not going to pay attention to that for a while. No. They're going to find it out. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, how did it even get this far if you actually looked at the scientific evidence which was in there? So uh, when, the, when the president announced this, I have to say, look, sir, with all due respect, have you ever looked at the true hockey sticks of fossil fuel error? Uh, and what's amazing about that chart is, uh, what you ha what you have in your post that's on a Patriot yeah, Post is that it? It was on the Patriot Post, and I I I and what what they did was there was a there's an outstanding uh, uh, outstanding um, organization globalwarming.org says may cooler heads prevail, and they had a great article CO two emissions life ex expectancy per capita GDP the real hockey stick, and it's by Marla Lewis, and so. I, when I looked at it, I said, this is, this is wonderful. I believe I you know, tweeted it out and everything else that you do with that stuff. And, you know, right. no one really paid attention to it. But what they did was, and I don't know if the authors did this on purpose, but what they did was they basically used the same kind of idea behind uh, Dr. Mann's hockey stick, where, except that, you know, with Dr. Mann's hockey stick, he used tree rings up to 1960, and then when the tree rings went the other way, he spliced the actual global temperatures on, which, you know, look like a hockey stick because you, you switched to thermometers, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, I couldn't do that in my physics classes when I was at Penn State or my meteorology classes. I couldn't say I've measured this all along like this, but it's not working anymore, so I'm going to something else. And that's why we get all upset with the hockey stick and everything else. But what they did was they actually showed that, since the beginning of the fossil fuel era, we've had, A, a population explosion, B, people are living a heck of a lot longer, and C, people are much wealthier, which really backs up perfectly this expanding pie theory that uh, a lot of uh, people like you and I and conservatives uh, believe that this is not a pie that is not going to grow and has to be split up a certain way. It is an expanding pie that only the good Lord above actually knows the limits and who are you and I could uh, judge ourselves as God here. And it's such a, such a wonderful, wonderful example of the advancement of mankind in the fossil fuel era. Now, the way I get really upset is a lot of the folks that are uh, benefiting off what electricity does today and everything else and are trashing the, the poor coal industry, you know, I, I don't really care where we get our energy from. People need a weather forecast and saying I'm going to try to nail the forecast. That's what I do, okay, yep. seasonal forecast and everything else. I don't really care. But do you realize while you're in your nice air-conditioned place, whether in Lubbock or Dallas or wherever the heck you are, right, do you realize what it took to get there and who did that for you? And I, I'm one of these guys who go, are you kidding me? You're trashing an entire group of people, oh, they do this and they do that and all this other stuff. You know something? The one thing the president got wrong yesterday was the CO2 is a pollutant. If so, then he's exhaling 100 times more pollutant than he's inhaling, and so are the rest of us over here. CO2 is a colorless, odorless gas that's needed for life on the planet. That's why we have organic chemistry, the study of carbon and its compounds, the effects on life. And I'll tell you what. The Earth has never been greener than what it is now in the satellite era, okay, because of the increase in CO2, the plants are eating it up. In fact, I walked out my front yard today, Marita, and a tree tried to hug me. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, you're doing so much good for them. 
What's that? The trees? Well, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. But and, you'll and, never, and, you'll never get Obama at all to acknowledge that, and none of that camp uh, will acknowledge. They won't even consider this. Well, of course, they demonize, they isolate, demonize, and destroy. So, I mean, really, come on. You know, you're calling me a racist. You're calling me a denier and all this other stuff. You know, the argument about it's affecting poor people more, you know, asthma. Guess why? Guess what would help poor people more? To enable them to become richer. So a yes. guy that's making $30,000 a year is stuck in the south side of Chicago. I'll tell you what. Every time I go to Chicago, I always drive out there, and it's like I'm, I, I, I – I can't help my old compassionate roots, you know, the old New England Democrat that, you know, when I was a kid, I was brought up to be that way, that, that old Democratic Party, the Ronald, the Ronald Reagan Democratic Party, I call it. Cause Reagan, no, not all, the Democratic Party that Debbie Walter, Walter no, Mitchell no, can't tell no, you the difference no. between the Democrats and the Socialists. Uh, no, that, yeah, I mean, you know, okay, so uh, you're, you're taught to that as as a son, as a grandson of an Italian immigrant, and my father grew up at Federal Hill in Providence. They didn't have a nickel to their name up there in the 1930s and stuff. We were taught certain things and certain values. I see these people stuck in the south side of Chicago, for instance. They can't get out of there. There's no hope for them, right? And you're, you're, you're forcing policies that are going to increase their energy and food prices. And I'm, I, I can't even believe it. It looks like the Wizard of Oz. You look like when you're driving in from the south side, there's the Wizard of Oz. All those golden towers up there where people will spend $4 on a bottle of water. And here are these people, they got to worry about their electricity, all right? Or if they want to drive to a better job, the price of gasoline up through the roof and things like that. Now, I'm, I'm sitting here looking again at these charts. The fact of the matter is that human economic stability and the increase in an economic base leads to the ability to do more things for more people and also you worry about cleaning up waterways and cleaning everything up, you know, our air is cleaner than it's been, uh, what, in 40, 50 years because the EPA, I'm going to give them credit, helped out with things that we they needed to help out with. But yeah, they did. There was, there was, I always say that, there was a need to clean things up. But now that we've cleaned things up, they've had to go overboard to, to remain relevant. Well, it's like that, that may be true, but there's always a need to clean things up and keep things clean. But you know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you ever watch The Simpsons, right? There's, a, there's an episode where Homer Simpson goes down to City Hall, raises you-know-what, because he needs to get a stop sign put on a certain street. Once he gets a stop sign uh, put up, he starts getting all excited. He says, well, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's another thing. It's like NASA, for instance. You see what I'm saying? You're yep. right. They're overstepping your bounds. It's like NASA. Why is NASA getting into climate change, Okay. I understand they should make the satellites that take the temperatures. They take the temperature of the Earth, and then they go, well, this isn't the same as it was uh, 50 years ago. Well, how are you measuring it with satellites 50 years ago, right? So what they're doing is, and that's particularly despicable to me, they take estimations of temperatures from 70, 80 years ago, and then say, oh, well, this doesn't look right, this doesn't look right, this doesn't look right. They adjust them a certain way and say, Bang, this is the warmest ever. Yet the National Centers for Environmental Prediction, which takes a real-time global temperature every six hours, shows that there's been no warming the last 18 years, and in fact, there's been slight cooling over the last 10 years. 
And that, you know, that comes to this, uh, we watch this El Nino come on and everything else, what's going to happen after the El Nino, we know there's a spike coming with it. And they, they could be observed, you could go to weatherbell.com and there is a site that we make available to the public where you can watch what the global temperature is doing every single day, taking every six hours, right? And so I don't understand that that's the National Centers for Environmental Prediction, not Joe Bastardi Neanderthal right wing Institute, okay? <laughs> so what happens is that's a division of NOAA. What is NOAA not doing looking at the temperatures? And, uh, you know, for instance, May was, I believe, the ninth warmest since 1998 on that. Yeah, we got this big announcement. May was the warmest May ever, right? And it's the way they're looking at the data and adjusting the data. So all this, all this comes down to a situation, Marita, where I think you have – so how can – okay – how can you turn back now? I wrote an article a couple of years ago. How can an AGW climatologist possibly be objective? If you've gone all in with global warming, you can't turn away now, right? Now you say, well, what about you, Joe? I couldn't care less except what's right, what's wrong. That's it. You know, folks don't understand. I use climatology to make me a better meteorologist taught to me by my dad. Guess what he said? He said, the foundation of the past is what you stand on today to reach for the future. So if you know what happened yesterday, you have a chance to know what happens tomorrow. So I, I was in love with weather maps <laughs> since I was three. When my dad went to Texas A&M, 61 to 65, he, used to, he had a synoptic lab one time. He took home the maps. I drew all over because I was trying to analyze the maps. He had, he had the same climatology book at A&M in the 60s that I had at Penn State in the early 70s. And I could understand, okay, if, if a certain site has this, this, this weather, it's probably located here. I could understand that from when I was a little kid. I may not be smart in many things, but I was into that stuff. So what happens is when I see somebody say something, this is a permit drought coming on. And I'm sitting there saying, you have no idea what you're talking about compared to the Dust Bowl or compared to the 1950s. This last uh, real hot spell was hotter than the 1950s, but not as dry as the 1950s. And look what happened. In 57, it reversed in the spring of 57. Big wet. Uh, 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 Joe, i got wet. about 20 seconds left. Well, the only thing about, I'm sorry, you open a can of worms here. All I'm saying is if you look objectively, you'll see what I'm saying. Don't trust me. If it means something to you, go look for yourself. Well, and it should mean something to every single one of us because based on the president's announcements this week, we're all going to be seeing major changes in the way our electricity is generated, delivered, and used in this country. Yeah, and uh, uh, sad to say that it's a political issue, and we don't have anybody that will stand up to him. So, uh, you know what? You've got to admit this about the president. He, he's a brilliant politician. He knows which way the wind is blowing, and he's gonna he's gonna ride he's gonna ride it right into the beach. I'm telling you, I mean, yeah, it, you got to admit that about him. I mean, you it, know, it's true. It's beach. true. We're out of time, Joe. I always love talking with you. Thanks for giving us your time today on America's Voice for Energy. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Bye. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.